It's not just airflow over the wing that makes the airplane fly. It's money flow over the wing. They've got to come together and that can be success for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, listen, again, union spokesperson who supports capitalism, gotta love it. And we had boots on the ground knowledge that this virus was was going like crazy over there. And we did not want to be the vessel that transmitted that virus back here into the US. How tougher is it today for a person to do another uh, uh, 9-11? Uh, they're, they're trained to not react emotionally, but they still have emotions. And they're passionate about protecting the passengers on the airplane, because without that, we don't have a business. Not only because we have our bodies on that airplane too, but you know, when you when you have your family traveling, you hand them over to me, literally and metaphorically, you're saying, this is my life treasure, please take care of it. My guest today is Captain Dennis Tager, who is himself a pilot, 34 years, I think six years with the Air Force, 29 years with American Airlines, like 34, 35 years. He flies right now as a pilot. And at the same time, he's also the spokesperson for APA's Allied Pilots Association, a union that represents 15,000 American Airlines pilots. I believe it's the largest independent pilots union in the world. With that being said, Dennis, thank you so much for being a guest on Valuetainment. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be here. And uh, you nailed it. Uh, that's exactly what we do and who we are. Well, the audience does know I did that 78 times. So I appreciate you for being nice. I'm just giving you a hard time. Anyways. Hey, I, you know, they, they say I, I don't fear a man who knows 10,000 kicks. I fear the man who knows one kicks kick and practice it 10,000 times. So, um, yeah, yeah. That, that that philosopher's name, what was it? Bruce Lee, right? He's a great philosopher. Well done. Uh, yeah. Yeah, philosopher. And, and uh, uh, yeah. Wow. Well, I surrender. <laughs> I surrender to you. Because I have some questions. I want your help to see. Uh, uh, I've seen you speak on what happened with Boeing a couple of years ago when they didn't want to disclose all the information and the challenges they were facing. I thought it was with the 747. It was, I don't know if it was 737 or 747. 737 Max. 737. Yes. And you kind of called them out directly in a respectful way because you're saying, look, these are still good planes. We trust flying and we put our families on there, but you have to trust us on the information. And then at the same time, I see you all the time on MSNBC when you get up there and you talk about our Americans back flying, et cetera, et cetera. So I have some questions. I'll go through my series of questions. And then anything else you feel about where we are today, I think it's good for the audience to hear as well. So why don't we start off with 18 months ago, we are uh, uh, February of 2020, okay? In February of 2020, we're still flying. Things are normal. March, April, May. You know, we're getting a little bit more nervous. Travel slows down. Walk me through where we are today compared to six months ago, compared to 12 months ago in regards to Americans feeling comfortable traveling again. It's uh, night and day, night being when when things just shut down. Um, and now coming into that, we actually at, at the APA, um, our president and our experts at the time in January well, we don't relish the idea of, of uh, taking on legal action uh, on behalf of our membership against our company, but they wanted to continue flying into China. And we had boots on the ground knowledge that this virus was, was going like crazy over there. And we did not want to be the vessel that transmitted that virus back here into the U.S. So um, we very publicly, and I was on CNBC, said, They've got to cease this flying. And, and there were commercial interests involved. We understand that. 
Um, even they even disclosed actually in a New York Times article later, American Airlines said, "Well, we thought China was just a blip." Well, it wasn't a blip. So this goes to our line. They were on record saying that this goes to our our, our core mission, as it would be as professional pilots, is that we're going to put our passenger safety and security first, no matter what the commercial interests are, because commercial interests will not survive unless you provide that in the aviation business. So uh, we, we they, they did cease flying. They fought us a bit. They even started to bifurcate out Hong Kong a little, saying, well, it's a, a separate area. It's not an island. But long story short, yeah, we, we called them out. And this is part of a safety culture. I know you and I spoke of a little bit earlier, yep. but this is really important. This, this radical transparency is so important, especially when the consequences are so uh, intense in, in, in flying. Um, so obviously the, the, the virus started to spread rapidly and we saw um, a lot of good people, uh, even from, from our leadership here in the US to the airlines trying to figure out, okay, how do we contain this? Uh, what do we know about it? And, and it's, it's sadly, I say it ironically laughable, some of the things that we would heard even from our medical experts at the company saying, hey, this is just like the flu. It, it doesn't spread easily. Um, it turns out, you know, they, they were wrong about that. And we've learned many things about this virus. Um, but what we've landed on is that when, when we take on certain uh, precautions, we can help mitigate that. And I see a wa- using the, the hand. Oh, you still. I, mean, I got it yeah. everywhere nowadays. No, you got I it, hear you. you. Said it, my brain went right to it. I, I, I hear you. And I, I, I smile at that because. You know, hypnotis. You're hypnotizing me right now to say, wipe your hands. <laughs> that's a suggestive power. So uh, that being said, though, but, you know, that's interesting because that just exhibits how natural it is for us now. I don't like wearing the mask. Of course, it's uncomfortable in the whole nine yards. But, hey, those are the rules. So that's what we do. We did have to fight for a time to uh, with, with our and I had say to fight. We had to compel our our airlines to say, hey, look, this may be the best thing to do. And even if you don't believe that the, the virus was was that critical or that severe back then or even today, the bottom line was it gave people some level of comfort that if I do have to fly, this may help. And it did. And the airflow in the airplane, unlike the office and, and the home that I sit in and the office you're in, that airflow is massive in there. So those types of things that Boeing was talking about, our airlines were talking about, and our, our government and President Trump were talking about, and the Department of Transportation, that's the stakeholder culture that comes together and says, yeah, we had difference of opinion here. Now we've all learned something. Where can we land at a consensus so that business and life can continue through this struggle? Not go back to the way we were during that time, but to just like your prior military, I'm prior military, what can we contain and maintain safe for our troops? Um, and, uh, and that's what we did. And we did it sometimes as a stakeholder who was yelling at the rooftop saying, no, this is not right. And here's why. And we use always, a, we try to use, we try to emulate, I try to emulate, our union emulates where our pilots are. They're balanced men and women. They're logical. Uh, they're, they're trained to not react emotionally, but they still have emotions. And they're passionate about protecting the passengers on the airplane. Because without that, we don't have a business. Yeah. So so walk me through, you know, many of us heard about it. We read about it, but we don't really know what it looks like. It looks like. So, for example, you know, uh, uh, margins, profit margins and airlines, it's one of the lowest out of all the industries. So there's not a lot of money and everybody's kind of, we're cheaper, we're cheaper, we're cheaper. So everyone's trying to figure out who to be minus spirit airlines. But for the most part, everybody's trying to figure out what they're going to be, what game they're going to be playing. 
So then Buffett comes out and he says, hey, I own 10 to 11% in Delta, American, United. I'm going to sell all of those shares. And I was like, hey, if that guy sells, what's he saying to the world? What does he know that the rest of us don't have, right? How bad did it get at one point for pilots and flight attendants who don't have a job? And these airlines that are in the brink of uh, bankruptcy, what were pilots doing during that time who maybe didn't have money saved? to be able to survive that three, six, nine month period where there's not a lot of traffic. Well, that's a great point. And, and thank God our, our elected officials understood the importance of the infrastructure of the airline business because everybody knew that this was a crisis. It hit us really hard. At American, we had uniquely more debt than others because we had bought a bunch of airplanes that we needed to buy. Others will be buying them now and uh, various infrastructure post-merger. Um, so we walked in with that. Um, yeah, the margins are very tight, but the federal government identified and under uh, President Trump and bipartisan this was passed um, investment packages. We call them investment because it was an investment in the employees so that they would be there for the recovery. And sure, there were some other loans that were written with some, uh, um, um, I forget the term, but basically a stock underwrite so that, 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 that our taxpayer was accommodated for this loan. So that saved the airline infrastructure which is a huge foundation of our country's uh, business infrastructure. So uh, fortunately, our, our, we work closely with our management team. And this is where, you know, there's a stereotype of unions. Oh, they're always battling management. Man is doing the other thing. It's all about cost. Well, actually, no, we, we look at it in, in a different way now. It's a modernized uh, uh, union perspective. It's sort of asymmetric. We're as interested in the business being wildly successful as our management teams are. We're investors in our very own airline. So we understand it. We don't we don't look at it through the the narrow uh, the straw of, hey, it's just labor, whatever I can get paid, I'll get paid. We we sign up for the our, we stay, I'm here 30, about 30 years, and that's one place you go and you stay. So when that happened, though, the federal government did step up, used our taxpayer money to ensure that the airlines were ready to roll. And they provided actually payroll support through this in a couple of cycles. So that prevented thousands of pilots in particular from being laid off. And as you know, from, from high training events, uh, both in military and business, you can't just say, hey, get back to work. So that, that stopped that huge cycle of upswing training that would have happened, which would have muted this recovery this summer and would have probably uh, bled into other businesses from the hotel side to just the morale of the country. No um, yeah, it, it's a private business, uh, it's publicly held, but it's a symbol of the strength of our country. Um, so what pilots did, we took some leaves, we took, re some of our pilots wanted, they have a businesses on the side or their, their spouse works. They took um, about a 60% a of, their, of their normal pay and said, I'll take a leave and I'll keep trained up. Um, other pilots took early retirements, a package was provided for them so they would get some benefits for uh, a couple of years until the mandatory retirement. So a lot of outside the box thinking was done to preserve and sustain the airline. And when the federal government came in, that was the um, uh, more than a lifeline. That was keeping the infrastructure settled so that this summer came along. And while we were challenged this summer, uniquely at American, um, we would have been nowhere near this recovery this summer if that had not been done. So uh, a long way to say uh, a, a deep thank you to all involved. And uh, in order for our country to thrive, our businesses have to survive and thrive. So that's what happened in this. And, and now we're, we're moving forward from that. Yeah, I don't know many spokes, uh, uh, person or spokespeople for unions who 
see it from your point of view. It's always let me gouge the business owner for as much as possible. I don't care what uh, it costs to get profits from him to get into the individuals, members of the union. So uh, kudos to you because you seem very balanced and reasonable on both sides. If you were a politician, you'd be a statesman that's fighting for both sides, realizing there's numbers in it, but you also process it accordingly. For the people that took a hit, the 60%, the early retirement or the flight attendant, what percentage of the people that didn't retire came back? What percentage of people just moved on to different industries, different jobs? A very small amount. Speaking to the pilots, we had a few pilots that went on to um, maybe work for a package carrier, but we're talking single digit numbers. So uh, they they came back. I mean, it's, it's it's a wonderful career. You, you got to fight for it, um, just like any business. You know, you fight for your interest. You, you uh, uh, and and you talked about this different way of looking. It's not just me; it's our union. I mean, we you, twelve years ago when I started getting involved in union business, I said I think we can do this a different way, and had other partners in that. And one of them was to reach out to the people who own the company, which are investors. And so we reached out. I literally had a, a cold call to a, a sell side analyst. And said, "Hey, I'm with the union. I wanted to connect with you. And these are analysts that write notes on the investment uh, perspective. They talk to the buy side, all the investment uh, uh, and institutional investors. And uh, it's it's at the heartbeat of what makes a business run, a publicly held one. So we wanted to to call them, not to rant at them about, hey, I'm a union guy, and here's the deal. We wanted to understand the business better and get their perspective." And um, sometimes we use that to our advantage. And most importantly, though, we have a saying at the union is, if you're not at the table, you might be on the menu. And that's one place we don't want to be. So we always insist on being at the table. And we don't yell to get at the table. We we find a way to be functional partners in this, rationally thinking. And it paid off when American Airlines went into bankruptcy and another air carrier, US Air, their management team, senior management team wanted to come in and, and construct, the, do a reconstruction plan, uh, an exit plan, and involved a merger. We were right there at the table. As a matter of fact, the president of that airline, Scott Kirby, who's now the CEO of United Airlines, asked for a private meeting in New York, just like the movies. I'm, I'm just a, a pilot and I, I'm, I don't own a business, but it was just like you'd imagine. Let's meet. And I went out with the president of a union at the time met in a New York restaurant in the back and he pulled out an envelope to talk about his vision for a merger of the two airlines while we were in bankruptcy. And that was the beginning of the new American airlines. And it literally was a sit down with two leaders. I was there as some of the expert in the knowledge of the networks. And they talked about synergy. They talked about here's how much money that we can add to whatever deal you get. I, I, I'm not afraid to talk about the details because it was just like any other business detail. Here are the opportunities and here's what you would be uh, the reward for it. And just like any business deal, our president at the time said, well, why not double that? And it turned out to be three times that because the value of the deal with functional partners and we went out and pitched it hard actually increased. So it was how many wins can you count? It was a win, win, win. Old equity got paid in full, unprecedented in a bankruptcy and I apologize for digressing, but it's a very exciting part of the aviation business. You know, it's not just airflow over the wing that makes the airplane fly. It's money flow over the wing. They've got to come together and that can be success for everybody involved. It's not just a dream. We saw it happen and we'll continue to push for it. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's very impressive to hear about that part as well. There was a part that you were pretty competitive against other airlines. I'm curious, is the world you're in a pretty competitive world? 
where you are protective of American Airlines, or is it more of a fraternity where it doesn't matter if you're Delta, United, you know, Southwest, we all work together as a fraternity? What's what's your role like? Because I'm assuming, like, you know how you're an Air Force, I'm an Army, Marines, Navy, where typically they put Marines and Army base next to each other. Yes, we both are fighting for red, white, and blue, but you're a Marine, I'm Army, I see you at the bar, we're getting into a fist fight. I don't see pilots getting into fist fights, but is it is it a pretty competitive environment or no? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, gosh, absolutely. Uh, and and your your metaphor uh, using the military is dead yeah. on. I was going to go to that. And while you described it, I said, you know, pick the NFL. You know, look at those players. They go out there and and they battle. They compete. When a game's done, they go, hey, g- good to go. I might see on my team later. We don't change that much in the airline business. But, oh, absolutely. It, it's And, you know, let's be blunt about it. It's more fun that way. If you're not fighting for your, your company, so then – what the hell are you here for? Um, so, but it doesn't mean that, Hey, I know that you're fighting for yours. And we right. do, we have meetings. We talk with our union brothers and sisters and they go, Hey man, it was kind of rough on us over there. I go, yeah, well get your operation fixed and, and we'll roll. And, but we also recognize that, that there is a ladder, there's pattern bargaining for that. You know, and people talk about pattern bargaining or bargaining, negotiating a table. Those are business deals. That's all they are. Sure. And, and they can they can enhance a relationship. Uh, they they develop trust, and uh, you live up to it. So it's it's fraternal in a sense. And what we do, just like in the military, we're counting on each other to each. We have each other's backs. But even in business, you know, just because you may not have a, a major accident happen, this is someone's livelihood. They're paying for their family's future in the whole nine yards. So. Um, knowing and identifying that and connecting to it, but still being a shrewd and firm business, uh, businessman or woman is, um, that's aviation. I mean, we're, we're not negotiating on, on a flight deck, but we have a set agreement of procedures and protocol. And, um, um, there's a chain of command and there's leveraging of ideas. Uh, but, um, that's why I love the business. I, I love everything about it. It's very obvious. I mean, your passion and your and your conviction is, is definitely felt even through Zoom here. It's felt uh, question. I'm an executive platinum myself with American Airlines. I've flown with American ah, Airlines. for. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a I'm an American Airlines guy. I was with Delta before I was with United and I said, nope, I'm going American and I've stayed with American. So walk me through, uh, you know, like for me, I'm the paranoid guy. I go to restaurants. I look at people's nails. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's not going to deliver my food for me. I get up and walk out. I'm that weird guy, right? Like I'm like, if this guy has too much hair or let's just say too much sweat here, I can't have you carry my food. I get a little bit nervous about it because of my wiring. Now you can call me a lot of different words. A lot of different doctors can put categories on me. They're probably all right, but let's set that part aside. How do I trust right now? I'm a traveler and say I've had COVID before and I'm like, you know what? Didn't kill me, but it sucks. Flat out, this thing sucks. I didn't. I had it myself last, earlier this year. wasn't fun, right? Uh, and I'm like, you know, as I did I. Yeah, I, I, I also. Food? Okay, yeah. so for me, it wasn't the taste. It wasn't the breathing. For me, I lost 24 pounds within three weeks. I couldn't eat anything. I mean, it was a complete wow. different game. So, and I stayed positive for like four weeks. Anyways, going back to it, somebody wants to travel. They're like, look, I, I want to travel, but what do you guys do in between flights? For me to know that it's clean, don't get me wrong, I'm going to bring my own wipe and I'm going to do my own thing. But what is American Airlines instructed to do between flights for the new you know, passenger to come in and say, listen, this place is going to be clean, like almost like switching a hotel room. Somebody stays be- be- before you do. What is the protocol you guys follow? Well, and, and 
Great question. And by the way, welcome to the fraternity. You have attention to detail. I do the same thing. And that's something that keeps us safe and on the flight deck as well. Uh, and probably a very successful businessman, as I understand you are. Um, that being said, what can passengers count on? Well, we've learned a lot about the virus. You know, at first, and, and we still, American has a deep cleaning in between flights um, that it does, and an even deeper one at night. Um, but we have learned about the virus. You remember there was a time where, yes, we were spraying down everything. And, and they still are, and they run various lighting through the airplane, but we've learned that the, the virus isn't as uh, easy to pick up off of inanimate objects. Doesn't mean they've stopped the behavior, but the most important thing on the airplane is that airflow, is that airflow. That airflow changes over, and I ha I've lost the memory of how many times per, per uh, hour or minute, but it's extraordinary. It's at least 10 times more than your office. So and we're in charge of that. We have the APU. That's the, that's the amount of air going through while you're on the ground uh, or while the engines are running. So it's a massive flow. Your hair may not be blowing around, but I can assure you that that airflow is happening like this. So that is actually near the level of the, the, the filters we have on the recirculating part are at the same level, the HEPA level of uh, a surgery room. And we're just lucky that it was designed that way originally. So um, the irony is the airplane is is actually one of the safer places to be around uh, a group of people. So, uh, but, you know, we didn't take that as a, hey, so we don't need masks. That was part of the protocol. If it wasn't just something else made someone feel more comfortable, it actually worked. You can debate that all day long. Yeah. But when we started that, people started to fly and come back and they didn't have one case that they could trace back to, oh, there was a massive spread on an mm -hmm. airplane. Mm -hmm. And believe me, we were holding our breath on that, no pun intended, about please let this not sure. happen on this airplane. Because I was out there flying. I remember going out to New York and we had like four or five people ended up talking with them, a couple doctors and some nurses going out there to do their work. Um, walking through the airport when it was empty. I remember walking through Miami doing a piece with ABC mm -hmm. saying, very uncomfortable. Uh, and now I, I have to wait in line for a Starbucks. Thank you. <laughs> it's 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 Crazy. night and day. So um, so the bottom line, your your awareness of your surroundings yeah. and what's being done is important because we want to assure, especially uh, passengers, customers like yourself, an executive, that we've got your back on this. And uh, as pilots, uh, we're watching that too. We don't just get through the cockpit door and go, okay, that's all we're in charge of. We're making sure that, okay, was the airplane taken care of? Hey, it just came in from a Caribbean destination. Did it get mm -hmm. its full cleaning? And our flight attendants as well. So um, not only because we have our bodies on that airplane too, but you know, when you, when you have your family traveling, you hand them over to me, literally and metaphorically, you're saying, this is my life treasure. Please take care of it. And I have kids. You can damn sure bet that I'm going to do everything in my power and not just from a commercial sense, but from the the uh, moral and, and uh, professional obligation I have as a pilot. The wings that are on my chest are not just there for optics. They're, they're tattooed on everything we do. When's your birthday, by the way? I have, a, I have a guess of what month your birthday is, and I'm just curious. When is your birthday? Are we exchanging gifts? Okay, it is uh, December 28th. You're a Capricorn. Interesting. I am. Well, and... I, I wish I could have a deeper conversation. What do you think that means? <laughs> I, 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 I'm intrigued, though. I, <laughs> okay. I, I, I feel compelled to ask what's your sign, but that could get weird. <laughs> so, but uh, it's, my, it's my weird math side that I try to see if there's any connections between personalities of 
you know, how the individual is organized, systematic, you know, detail or a little bit more personality, not paying attention to details. Anyway, that's just my own thing. Uh, well, you know what? I've been I've been accused of being a deeply seated Capricorn, so I know what that means. And yeah, uh, so then that I, makes I, sense. I'll, I'll embrace that. If it kept me alive, that's great. If it uh, you know made for a boring night, I'm sorry. But uh, I I, um, I think I would want to have you as a pilot, and I'm okay with that. So you you Capricorn. That's right. By the way, I I did get furloughed from American Airlines in the '90s. Got a year on, and it happened back in the day. Uh, you know, cycles happen. Um, and um, I, I'm a school teacher by education, um, and I taught in the Air Force, of course, flying. Uh, but um, uh, I taught for three years as a high school, junior high school uh, math teacher until flying came back around. So, uh, um, yeah, numbers, uh, but numbers that connect to human beings. And just like you, you referenced this, the Boeing 737 MAX, uh, those tragedies, those two aircraft and the reasons that it happened, connecting that story um, first is pilots. We wanted to process it. Why didn't you tell mm-hmm. us this was on mm-hmm. the airplane and all, all the things that many people are aware of, mm-hmm. but being able to tell that story in a way that, that, um, someone couldn't come along like Boeing and say, Hey, oh, it's very complicated. There's a lot of issues. It's not that complicated. Let me explain. So the airplane has this, it does that. And here's why. And we didn't know about it. That important connection with other human beings to say, yeah, it looks like a magical thing, this pilot and all these knobs and all that, but we can get it down to look, it's it's pretty basic here. Um, so um, that the trait, as it is in any business, your ability to convey what you do or what your product is or how this can enhance uh, what your business is doing um, is, is, is key. I mean, it's communication, it's relationships. I, agree. I totally agree. I agree with that. Uh, go, going back to a couple of things in regards to uh, uh, travel with uh, where we currently are. So uh, I saw a survey the other day on CNN. It said 63% of Americans believe uh, uh, vaccination uh, passports ought to be mandated, right? Travel. Now, I'm not asking your opinion on that. What I'm asking you is, is there anything you have as being the spokesperson of a union, 15,000 members, where it is leading towards a direction where we're probably going to see all the major airlines wanting to see a passport when we get on a flight, or you're saying, I don't know if that's going to happen. Well, we're reviewing the news changes all the time, particularly what we're focused on is our, our we have some airlines, I think United said all employees have to get vaccinated. And, and we we have some 65% of our pilots are vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. I happen to believe it worked for my family, but we have affirmed that it's, we believe it's a personal choice. And our CEO, Doug Parker, even affirmed that the other day saying that, look, we, we, we have an, we actually have a letter of agreement that will, will compensate you for getting mm-hmm. the shot yeah. or get you off the flying after you, when you recover from the shot, there's 48 hours a pilot sure. cannot fly. So um, that's where we are at American. As far as our passengers and what they're going to need to travel, you know, we just want to make sure they're safe. We just actually had news. There's a smaller country down in South America. The name escapes me who just the other day said, starting on X date, crew members coming in will have to be vaccinated. So now we're going through the, uh, those pilots who have those trips at the moment, uh, being pulled off those trips if they're not vaccinated. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a new space, um, but we can't forget who we are, regardless of your opinion. And as a union, we represent the, the 14 to 15,000 pilots. Each of them uh, have a personal choice on the vaccine. And um, our job is to advocate for whether you want to get it or you choose to make that decision otherwise um, and ensure it's terms of employment. Um, and you have to talk with the union about how that would be executed. So as far as passengers go, you know, I'm going to speak from a business side, anything that gets people to fly and they want to fly and they feel safe, let it roll. 
that is not an affirmation of a vaccine passport, but we want people to feel safe and comfortable traveling. And, um, um, you know, whatever ideas are out there, we're going to, of course, process them. But, uh, you know, we may have an opinion on them or not on that one. We're just going to let the folks that have the authority to, to run through it. But, you know, it, business ain't easy. Anybody who thinks that, no, you know, run a business, and it, it might be if you're just making something that doesn't involve people, but everything mm-hmm. we make involves people. So welcome to the NFL. Yeah, no, no, no question about that. Maybe even bigger than the NFL, because you, you guys are you, you don't play 16 games. You, you're playing uh, 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 hundreds of games on a daily basis. So it's a complete different uh, a world. You're, I only ask because I wonder, you know, I mean, no matter what you choose, you're going to piss off an audience. Right. You're going to be like, well, we're going to do this. We're going to know. Well, we're not going to. Why don't you be responsible? Get everybody vaccinated. Why are you doing that? Let me kind of choose my own self. So uh, 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 that's the challenge of being a capitalist running a business. You got to make the decision and at the same time, leave the freedom. But sometimes the government may come in and say, hey, you guys got to, what was the story with Delta saying $300 per employee that's not vaccinated because it's costing them $5,500 of hospitals? Some number like that I saw. I know. Ago. I, I, I know we, we saw that uh, up to 200 or 300 yeah. more per month for their medical yeah. if they're not vaccinated. Uh, that's the Delta choice, um, you know, to, to, to maybe fight the Delta variant. I know they don't like to align those things, but hey, the alphabet's the alphabet, but uh, um, that's not being talked of at American Airlines. Okay. Um, you know, so uh, uh, sometimes out of outside the box thinking, um, well, well, this th- they'll make their choice. But that you know that is that is the challenge in this. And yeah, you know, you know, the the sign of any good deal is when both sides feel like they didn't get just a perfect deal, right? Um, and and uh, it's. It's very, it's very emotional. It should be. This is about our lives. It's not just about business. And um, it's, it's, you know, there's one thing saying, "Oh, I respect both sides," but now show me that you respect both yeah. sides. That's the key. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough because I see that I'm like, well, that's kind of weird to set that up. But when it comes down to uh, uh, career-wise, like a, a choice of, do you know the margins of airlines? I hear three and a half percent. Do you know what the margins are? Like what kind of money they're making? Because the numbers seem very small, almost like minuscule profits these airlines are making. Oh yeah, I mean the 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 uh, pretax profit margin is is very very thin. Um, it's a very uh, cash flow intensive uh, um, uh, business enterprise, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, now I think we might hit some positive uh, pre-tax margins here in the third quarter. You know, the Delta variant didn't help, but it's been negative for years. But even in the, the best of times, they're in the upper single digits, low double digits, um, and they're bragging on it. So, you know, when we went through this merger and it was like the last major merger, more or less, they talked about rationalizing the space and a re-rate on the space, you know, talking with investors and all. Um, and and that's not a pipe dream. It's certainly more stable, a little more like rail, but not like it at all. It's a it's a, a, a pretty dynamic space to be invested. As you mentioned, Warren Buffett, you know, years ago, he said, uh, I forget the quip. It was very funny. It's not, how do you make a a million dollars. And there was something to do about vesting in airlines. And it was the opposite of what you think, but it's, um, it's a tough space. Um, and it's a narrow margin, 
but it does have levels of profitability. I mean, American on a, on a, a loan, forget the por- proportional basis, was five to six billion dollars of pre-tax profit. So, um, and if you look at the brand and the value of the brand, and you wonder, okay, that's a pretty narrow uh, margin. Let's say, forget the raw dollars. If you look at the value of the brand, when they went through, when we went through this darkest of time, all the airlines started trying to generate private capital uh, loans for their uh, frequent flyer mile program. And they did billions of dollars, mm-hmm. 18 billion on mm-hmm. American Airlines. And then they went a step further in an area that I don't understand, although we've spoken with the experts who actually formulate these deals of actually generating capital uh, loans off of your brand. Uh, that may be your space, but I, I don't understand that. You know, I'm more of a touch feel uh, sort of a, a guy, but uh, you can generate how many billion dollars just on your brand? That's important to us because your brand is us. Your brand is what we do for people, safely carrying them, making you want to be an executive, uh, a platinum member at American Airlines. So um, they all connect. If you just open your mind, whether it be as an employee, a pilot, a Mm -hmm. union or a business partner to what is important to your success, I can influence that. Um, You know, I, I can't make you do something, but I can make you wish you did. That's not a threat. That's a help me help you plea. That makes sense. That makes sense. I have two other questions for you before we wrap up. One of them is uh, in regards to 9-11, because I know you've spoken about that before, but I'll, I'll come back to that here in a minute to wrap up the interview with uh, 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 private jets. I uh, uh, chartered, uh, uh, you know, uh, last couple of weeks, I went all over the place, four different flights, and I'm going back and forth. And I've talked to one of the guys who bought this plane, $11 million, and he was a hedge fund guy from Greenwich. He said he ends up buying this. I said, so tell me how business is like. He said, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. We need more jets right now because we are so swamped, right? Okay, so that business is taking off right now because some people, if they can afford it, they'd much rather spend the money to have to fly, uh, 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 you know, private than have to fly commercial. Get it? Is that going to affect your business dramatically? Obviously not. I'm looking at the TSA. The numbers are like 1.662 as of yesterday versus 1.943. 300,000 uh, down. It's maybe a 15% number. And if we look at the day before, 2,025,000 travelers on September 6th. Last year, same uh, 2019, September uh, 6th was 2.292. So it's only like a 200,000, again, 10%, 9%. So what, what do you see happening to the private jet charter business? Will that affect anything with the commercial side? And if not, what do you see happening in the middle? Is there something going to the middle? Because it's like, it almost looks like travel is you either buy a, I don't know, you either buy a, you know, a, uh, a $40,000 sedan and then it goes, boom, Ferrari. Like they're in the, in the travel world, there's not, yeah, you can say first class, fine, AMG, but there's not like you go from 40 to, you know, $120,000 or $180,000. Do you guys see something as a competitor coming up that's in the middle between you and Charter? That'd be nice. I mean, that's that's management's marketing uh, skills. And and we watch that because you talked about those passenger numbers and we're elated to see that. There's another side of it as a business uh, professional, you know, there's yield. What are you able to charge for those tickets? You know, what's the demand like? And 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 that's really what's crushing is still holding back the earnings is, is that ability to charge just the right amount for the ticket. But uh, um, where is that middle ground? That's something that that even working with our flight attendants, because it's the quality of the product. And you're right. All right, I'm in this beautiful first class seat on this very long flight. 
uh, what else is it providing me versus the amount of money it costs me? So, you know, that is going to be a challenge. And, you know, our corporate pilots, we know the, uh, uh, the NetJet guys, we work, they have a union there too, uh, is part of a subsidiary of Warren Buffett's uh, uh, mm-hmm. holdings. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so we talk with them. We know their clientele and what they're looking for is fractional ownership, or as you discussed it. Um, but I, I think we want that business to grow. If that business grows, that means people who make a very healthy sum of money are able to support that need that they have. And that just feeds into the pilot profession, more jets flying. And that's something we want to see happen. Do we want, do we not want those folks on our airplane? No, we want them on airplane too, but there's got to be a a common ground that's met and it's going to be met by the supply and the demand. And uh, you know, there's, there's one thing that's for certain. If people don't have the money to spend on flying, they won't fly. If they don't want to fly, I can't fly. Whether it's at the top CEO that buys an, uh, you know, a multi-million dollar jet so that he or she can go wherever they need to go on their team, and that pilot's flying it, that's another one of us up there. So um, we want to be supportive of that. And uh, you know, I'll be blunt, the wealthier people are, the better it is because they can take on those other uh, uh, prospects and on the commercial uh, side, those businesses are flourishing and growing. They're going to have people that will fly on us, that need to fly on us, even in those first-class seats. So bring it on. Success, business success leads to business flying, and that leads to our success. The business traveler is the most profitable side for us. And leisure has gotten us through this domestic side right here. But man, oh, man, you've got to accommodate that business traveler. And, and lure them in, not only with words, but with real value. Uh, and we're part of that. And we're proud to be that part. Yeah, I mean, listen, again, union spokesperson who supports capitalism, got to love it, who says, let the wealthy get wealthier so we can keep getting more business because you, you feel it on your end. Let's talk about 9-11. Uh, I started out working at Morgan Stanley Dean uh, Witter a day before 9-11. My first day was 9-10. It was a Monday. So my 20-year anniversary is coming up. In the next, what is today? Eight and two days, right? In two days, it'll be 20 years that I've been in the financial industry. Day one, everything is good. Day two, Tuesday morning, 6.30, California, Pacific Standard Time. First plane, then we saw second plane hit live. It was Morgan Stanley Dean Witter's headquarters, 3,600 employees in World Trade Center, a complete, obviously, travesty uh, that took place. Fast forward to today. I got the question I'd like you to unpack this, and I think you can probably give the technical aspect of this. On one end is, so Afghanistan and what just happened right now with the Taliban and Afghanistan, 75,000, I don't need to tell you the numbers, you know the numbers, $83 billion of equipment left there. Some of the stuff we deactivated so they don't have access to, but it's not a lot of it. They got plenty of stuff, right? And they're getting stronger. It becomes a recruiting center for them. Many experts you'll talk to, they say the chances of another attack increased. These are folks who are military, you know, they're saying, well, we have to be careful. We have to play from the standpoint of paranoia. It, one, from your perspective, how much, how tougher is it today for a person to do another uh, uh, 9-11 based on, we all know, I think TSA came out in November of 2001 uh, is when President Bush two months later started TSA. We didn't have TSA before November. I don't know the exact dates, but I think it was November of 2001. And then everything changed. Prior to that, security was faster, et cetera, et cetera. How much more confident are you that an event like that cannot happen? And how strict is the training today 
to increase the level of awareness to make sure there's the chances of that ever happening to it is like zero to none. Two questions for you. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Great questions. And uh, it's not paranoia if there's a threat out there. So uh, not to awfulize it, but as pilots, we're always thinking about the next engine failure and not like, I hope it doesn't happen. Uh, it's when it happens, here's what we're going to do. So that the, the, the startle effect, the shock and awe is not there. Uh, you know, and you mentioned 9-11. I, I'm, I'm wearing a pin here, which is the 20th commemoration from our union on it. Our union's very involved in that. Of course, we lost, you know, brothers and sisters in that. And our, our country was ripped apart. The globe was ripped apart. Um, so as far as that happening again, I'm confident that there are barriers to prevent it as much as possible. Um, but you, you always strive for perfection. You know, we strive for never a crash again on any airplane, knowing that at some point it's probably going to happen. But you go for perfection. And so you get to a point that's really hitting at the heartbeat of something on this 20th anniversary. And my heart goes out to you because you, your fellow workers, just like mine, were murdered on that day. And that could have been you in that building. It's just a question of geography. So uh, it hits at us hard. but. One of the areas that that has enraged us, and fortunately, we have bipartisan bill right now that provides for a, a second barrier prior to the cockpit door. That cockpit door is good. It has been passed. Uh, George Bush, uh, our president, made sure that door is reinforced. We have procedures. Of course, we have federal air marshals on airplanes. We have uh, pilots who are armed on the aircraft. Um, the door, we have procedures. I can't get into the, all the procedures, but it's a whole different way at looking at aircraft security. And it doesn't take a genius to figure out that at all costs, you protect that aircraft because we will not turn this airplane into a weapon. Um, so that legislation I mentioned is for second barriers. To think that 20 years after 9-11, we're talking about getting a second barrier. And what it's for is to ensure that there's one more barrier in front of that door. That's a good door, but you see, we have physiological breaks, no mystery or secret to anybody on a, on a long flight. We do have to come out once in a while. We're very structured in that. But we need that barrier to provide one more bit of time for us because, you know, seconds matter. Mm -hmm. If someone was to approach that door, whether it be an unruly passenger who just wasn't well or someone who had nefarious intent and it was a plot and there were other people, this is not meant to scare you. This is meant to let you know that we're thinking about this every minute of every flight. And when we get a call about a disturbance in the back, my brain immediately goes to who is wants to do harm beyond just that area. And is this something bigger and grander? And it's the saying, if you see something, say something. If we hear something, we start thinking that way. It's not paranoia if the pot potential threat's there. It's mm -hmm. just like anything else. You want your police officers and or your military to be ready to protect you and to think the worst case scenario until they de-escalate and realize, okay, you're secure. That's the passion that we have. And we need the rest of Congress to step up and support this bill and, and get it through so that I'm not sitting here 20 years from now, or my daughter who's in flying talking about how we're still trying to get this through. And, you know, unfortunately, one of the adversaries of this original legislation some time ago that watered it down to being only new, new airplanes, and not one airplane has this barrier on it right now. Unfortunately, it was our airlines as a lobby group and aircraft manufacturers citing that the cost of it. Well, I, I tell you, the cost of this, this system, which is not very complex, um, but is very effective, is about the cost of a seatback entertainment center that someone's staring at. So you can't afford uh, to not do this. It's, it's, it's about not only protecting 
my passengers, my airline, but my country and the globe. Get it done and get moving. We're ready. Now back us up. You need a, you need to have our back on this. What, what would this do again? What, what, what would this do again? This would do, what it is, is you have the, the flight deck door. Yeah. This would be another barrier prior to the door that could be opened and closed. And what it does, one of the primary things on it, of course, it provides a level of protection, even if sure. that door is closed, right? Yeah. Because, you know, some of our, our, our most effective defenders of the flight deck are my fellow passengers. You know, you've seen those stories even after 9-11. Yeah. I flew. I was in, laying over in Albany, New York during 9-11, watching the second crash, thinking, what is happening here? Um, so, and, and getting on the airplane right after that with passengers who looked at me, not just eye to eye, but soul to soul. We good, Captain? Yes, we are. Counting on you. Yes, we are. We're good to go. But that gives us some time with that door closed. When we take physiological breaks, there's a short moment of time that that door is open. This would provide another layer of barrier. And you know, anybody who flies sees that there's levels of barriers. We have people, we have other things there that, that slow that down. But why wouldn't you, for the small price that it is, buy me another 30 seconds, another minute? And it, it just makes no sense. And uh, maybe just people fell asleep, but you know what? They're awake now. We have bipartisan support on it. So it's sad that on the 20th anniversary, I have to even talk about this, but out of respect for those we lost and the men and women that fought terrorism and continue to fight it across the globe, we owe it to them. We owe it to them and their kids to get this done today. Not in 20 years, but get it done in 20 minutes now. Captain Tater, is there a place to see this bill or no? If somebody wants to learn more about this bill, where would they read about it? Well, thank you. You can go to the public site of APA, which is Allied Pilots. Dot org alliedpilots.org. And we actually have, thanks for bringing that up because they'll be led right to a, a picture of a young man who's a pilot for us. And that's Tom McGinnis Jr. His dad was uh, killed on 9-11 on one of the aircraft. He was the first pilot that American Airlines hired after the 9-11 lull in hiring. And they did it intentionally and purposely. And I know Tom, he's based in Chicago. Matter of fact, I think I have a flight scheduled with him uh, later in the month. Um, a, a good man. And he was uh, uh, generous enough to do in a one minute interview, uh, speech, just basically say, get this for us. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's much younger man than me, but a uh, role model to me. Um, I don't know that I could have done that if I'd lost my dad, I, I, I might go into a, a more close position, but, uh, um, it's real. It's connected to people and you have a connection to it and everybody listening probably has some layer of connection to it. So it's our history. We don't run from it. We don't forget but we make a solemn promise to never again. And we do that together, regardless of countries or political affiliation. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm sorry to go into a rant, but- No, uh, no, no, I'm listening. It's, it, it's, I it's told you off passion. camera, I watch, I watch a handful of your interviews. And when I see you, you the way, you know, truth cuts through everything, you cut through everything. And there, well, there is no one side or the other, you're straightforward and, and, and nobody feels like you're taking a side. And I applaud you for that. Uh, uh, we need more leaders like you who deliver their message in the manner that you do, because it allows us to sit there and decipher through the BS that's out there and say, look, this makes sense. I think this makes sense. I think this makes sense. I don't know about this. I think this is right. So we're going to put the, I'm on the website, we're on alliedpilots.org. We're going to put the link below, both in the description and the comment section for folks to be able to find it. Captain Dennis Tager, I got to tell you, I had a blast having you on today. This is an entrepreneur channel. And I know we talked about that briefly off camera. 
but the entrepreneurs travel a lot and they wanted, this is a big part of their lives. We spend a lot of time on planes. We spend a lot of times going to places. And it's very important for us to know that uh, the direction of your industry is going and you gave us a lot of insight. I appreciate you for it. It's been an honor. Thank you. Anytime again, call on, call on us and we'll be there. Appreciate it. It definitely won't be the last time. Thank you. Take care, sir. Take care. I don't know about you, but I learned a lot about what's going on today in travel, and I'm probably going to end up having him back because I really enjoyed the way Captain Dennis Tager processes issues. So any event that comes up, we're definitely going to bring him back. If you liked it, smash thumbs up. I got one other video that I think you're going to enjoy. It's a video I did maybe five, six years ago titled 19 Lessons of What I Learned When I Was in the Army. If you've never seen it, click over here to watch it. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.